Hey tryhards, Ethan here. Before we get into the show today, I want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Patreon is a donation service, a monthly subscription service where you donate money to me to support the show, to support uh, the growth of it, whether that means merchandise or more podcasts or other things of that nature. And I would really appreciate if you guys would be willing and able to give just a little bit of whatever extra money you may have. Because while the show will always be free for everyone to listen, um, the way to make it isn't. And I'm in college, and things are expensive. So I'd appreciate any little amount that you're able to give. So thank you for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also like you, I have stories. These are my stories. The true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True Stories of a Tryhard. I am Ethan Ewan, and this week it is once again just me to wrap up my high school experience. So my junior and senior year of high school were a mixed bag, to say the least. Starting with my junior year, that was probably the hardest year of high school that I ever went through. And it began relatively early. What happened was that I said some things that were pretty insensitive. Honestly, I don't remember what they were. And it made people I thought were my friends uncomfortable. And as a result, they unconsciously or consciously, in some of their cases, alienated me from the friend group that I claimed to be a part of for the past two years. And that definitely had an impact on me. What ended up taking place was I began to let my anxiety get to me. And it negatively impacted my life with those that I was closest to and for me. But I never said anything. And honestly, that's probably what hurt me the most. I began isolating a lot more. I began to not be as social as I normally was. And even when I had to be in public, I put on a brave face so that people wouldn't think anything was wrong. And that ultimately culminated on September 17th, 2017, which was the day that the thought of suicide crossed my mind. Now, when that thought occurred, I immediately took a step back. And I thought to myself, Ethan, you've gone too far. This is not you. And I'm lucky that I did. And upon doing that, I immediately reached out to one of my friends who was from the group that had come to alienate me. And... I 
told her everything. I told her about how I'd been feeling. I told her about the impact that it had on me, about what had been going on in my head, and how I felt, and honestly felt so good to just tell someone about it. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how put together you are. What ultimately matters is how honest you are with yourself and with others. Because if you are honest with yourself and you are able to confront your issues without denying that either A, they don't exist, or B, they're not as big as you think they are, that will set you free. And one of the people besides my friend that ultimately aided in that process was my English teacher. I know it's a somewhat commonly held stereotype that social studies teachers and English teachers are the ones that people connect with more, but there's a reason for that. And that's because you're discussing what's going on with the world instead of being taught a concept. You can't really develop that kind of deep connection with your math teacher or your science teacher, at least not in my experience, unless it's maybe political science. But my English teacher, Mr. Travis Gatewood, who is now Dr. Travis Gatewood, really helped me to see the world through the eyes of somebody else. It's more of that empathy that I've been learning over the past six years. He really helped with that. And the book, The Things We Carried by Tim O'Brien, yeah, that's, that's the one. That was the book that ultimately made me realize that there was something wrong in my head because in that book, spoilers for the things they carried, one of the characters goes on a literal and physical loop in his car over and over and over again. And ultimately, it ends with him killing himself, which is the example I used when I talked to my friend about how I was feeling. And I haven't connected on that level with a character since. And it's probably for the best. Because if you can see yourself so clearly in a position where you're that low and that deep in your own thoughts and your own feelings, and you just can't seem to get out, you need help. And one thing I learned and I continue to learn throughout my later years of high school is that it's okay to ask for help. As someone who's male, it's a stereotype for those of us who swing that way to do things ourselves and man up and not ask for directions because we think we can do everything. And keep in mind, this is something that has been pretty consistent over time for me because I've always thought that I was a step above everybody else just because I was a little bit smarter and did a little bit better in school. So I thought that I was good enough to not need any help. But ultimately, the person who helped me realize that was 
my math teacher, Miss Jody Conley. She taught me that it's okay to ask other people for help because if they're teaching you a subject, whoever it happens to be, or they know more than you, or are doing better than you, it's not a sign of weakness to go to someone and say, I need help, I don't get it. Because, listeners, my three least favorite words in the world are I don't know. And it hurts me sometimes. Less than it used to. But at times, it hurts me to hear, excuse me, say, I don't know. Because in my eyes, it was admitting defeat. That I hadn't done something that could have ultimately led to me figuring it out on my own. And also as part of my computer journey, this was where I really took a deep headfirst dive into the world of Java, which is the language I'm most proficient in. This was difficult because my teacher for this class, Miss Weigel, was a bit more, shall we say, old school. She retired the next year and it showed that she was burnt out, to say the least, because it seemed like she never had a lot of energy or a lot of patience with those who didn't know as much as she did, which also taught me to rely on other people my age that were better at things than I was. Miss Weigel's defining trait, or at least defining quirk, was her kaleidoscope collection. She always was raving about whatever new kaleidoscope she had bought on eBay or found at a thrift store or garage sale or what have you. And she had several that probably cost more than my first paycheck was, which was mind-boggling to me. And honestly, it still is, because why would you spend that much money on a kaleidoscope? Speaking of not very good segues, senior year. So senior year, I had been looking forward to it for a while at that point. Because after junior year, I was ready to be done. I was ready to be done with high school. I had gone through so much drama with friends and other things like that. And it just left me exhausted. And I was bound and determined to not get senioritis, to try my hardest and push through whatever thoughts I may have had. For those of you who don't live in the United States, senioritis is in the last year of secondary school. It's kind of a feeling of being burnt out, like I just want to move on and get out of here so I can move on with my life and do what I want to do after I'm done with my public education. That's essentially what the feeling is in a nutshell. Long story short, I became a statistic. I started having thoughts like that probably at the beginning of second semester senior year. Before we get to that, something almost as earth-shattering as my parents' divorce happened. In October of 2018, two weeks after my girlfriend and I had started dating, my mom 
came down to my room. And she told me, Ethan, I got a new job. And and I'm going to offer you a choice. You can stay here or you can move with us to Texas. And I felt like I had been hit by a train because never in my life did I think that my family would move away from me. I thought it'd be the other way around, that they would be there and life would continue and my sisters would go to the same high school I did, have the same teachers that I did, because that's what happened for all my friends. Why wouldn't it happen for me? I had friends who were the younger siblings of other people that had come through my high school that already had notoriety just because of their family name, and that's honestly kind of what I wanted, because I was the oldest. I was a trailblazer. I wanted my sisters to have a similar high school experience that I did, because for most of high school, I liked the teachers that I had. But life has a funny way of throwing you curveballs, which I know is the understatement of the year, considering what's happening right now with the racial tensions and the global pandemic and everything else that I don't know about. But this is where it all started going south for me and where my battle with anxiety, which had gotten better over the course of those months, got worse. It got a lot worse. But this time, I had people. I had people that I could count on. I had people that I could trust, that I could confide in. And that is ultimately what made all the difference. I had a group of close friends that were not the same as the ones that I had, though I still hung out with them and still participated in things that they did. But I had a group of four friends that I still have that I consider my brothers because I don't have any. I also had a girlfriend that I could confide in, which I, up to that point, had never had, at least not as serious as that, beyond, you know, hallway hand-holding and just having it as a status symbol. First relationship that I took that seriously and really put work into and continue to put work into. Because when you want something to last, you put effort into it. And thus, my work on my relationship with my mom began on... November 22nd, 2018, my family moved from Overland Park, Kansas to Cedar Park, Texas. And I moved in with my grandma and grandpa, who I lived with for a year and a half until I am where I am now in my own apartment at a four-year university. The first few months were definitely an adjustment, mostly for the better, but it just wasn't the same. Waking up every morning in a house that 
you know, I, I considered my, my second home, but not my first. And it was weird. And it took me several months to come to call that house home. And for a while, I didn't really know what that word meant. Until I realized something that's very, very important that I still hold true to this day. Home is not a place. Home is where you make it. Whether it's with a person, or an animal, or, yeah, even a place. Home is where you are. Home is where you feel comfortable, and where you can open up and be able to sit back, relax, and not fear judgment. But back to the topic at hand, my relationship with my mom. During the first few months of us living apart, it became quite um, strained, to say the least, because we had never lived apart before. I had always been sleeping in her house, and she never had to worry about where I would go because eventually I would be back. Now, she had to contend with the fact that I wouldn't be around, at least not in person, as much. And we ultimately hashed it out with each other in a phone conversation that had me breaking down in my car after I'd gotten off work, which hurt me and it hurt her, but ultimately it led to us finding a time when both of us could talk about things, whatever it happened to be, whether it was life stuff or stuff that's going on in the world or even what we were, what fun thing we were doing that weekend. I learned in my senior year that relationships are hard work, and if you want to keep one, you have to be able to put in the work, and not only do you have to put it in, but you have to expect the other person to put that same amount of work in. Because if one of you is putting in the effort, and one of you isn't, the relationship is going to fail. And I know that that may be hard for some people to hear, but in my experience anyway, that's held true. And I hope that for those of you who have a relationship that is struggling or needs some new life injected into it, that you're able to have that difficult conversation. I hope it doesn't end the way it did for my mom and I, but I hope that you're able to find a way to assess the relationship and put it back together and find new life and be able to enjoy it together as well as work on it together. Because this is something my girlfriend and I do all the time. Do self-assessment to see where we're at and what's going on with the other person and if somebody's not communicating enough, it's usually me, unfortunately. But 
letting somebody know that they're not meeting your needs is not selfish because this is a two-way street. So value relationships, put work into them, and you will get the most enjoyment out of life. Thank you once again, listeners, for tuning in the True Stories of a Tryhard. You can find me on Instagram, ethan.t.hewlin. You can find me on Twitter at etphonehome. The O's are zeros and the E's are threes. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at True Stories Pod. The best way to get the word out about podcasts is via word of mouth and social media. So please, please, please share this with your friends, share it on your social media, and if you post it in some way and tag me, you will get featured on the official podcast accounts. And please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin signing off.